Good morning again, everyone. Currently, we're looking at four remarkable women who played a major role in the exodus of God's people out of the bondage of Egypt. And as you recall, God had brought the children of Israel into Egypt to escape a famine in their homeland. But after a period of time, the population of the children of Israel well, outgrew the population of the Egyptians. And we see that the king of Egypt was concerned that the Israelites would take control of his country. So he ordered that the Israelites to be made slaves and he appointed taskmasters to them and who afflicted them with hard labor. So for years we see that the Israelites lived as slaves in Egypt until God called Moses to deliver them out of bondage. God's word tells us, and the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come to, down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come, and I will send you the Pharaoh, that he may uh, bring my people, that you may bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. So if you're familiar with the book of Exodus, after a series of plagues, the king of Egypt uh, let the people of God leave Egypt and to begin their journey to this promised land. But then Pharaoh regretted that he allowed the children of Israel to leave Egypt, so he chased after them. The scriptures tell us that with all of his armies, with all of his chariots, with all of his horses, he chased after them, eventually catching up with them near the banks of the Red Sea. Scripture goes on to tell us when Pharaoh drew near the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared them greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the seas back with a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry land and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians upon their chariots and upon their horsemen so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared, as the, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord 
through the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. And Moses continues this song of deliverance throughout the chapter 15 of Exodus, where he ends his song and the scripture reads, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with the tambourine and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Thank God for his holy and inspired word. Amen. Now the exodus of God's people out of Egypt is the greatest redemptive event of the Old Testament. The exodus is a major part of the book of Psalms as well as the Old Testament prophetic books. Many of the themes of the Exodus are taken up in the New Testament, and many times it parallels the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Basically, the Exodus could be summarized in that the people of God were in slavery, and God raised up a deliverer to lead them out of the bondage to the Promised Land. So what we see in the Exodus the people of God were in slavery in Egypt. And in the New Testament, the people are in slavery to sin. In the Exodus, God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. In the New Testament, God raises up a deliverer by the name of Jesus. In the Exodus, God delivers and leads his people to the promised land in Canaan. And in the New Testament, our Deliverer leads us to the promised land in heaven. Amen? So we see this parting of the Red Sea was one of God's final acts to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt. Now you might be tempted to think that this is a wonderful story of God's miraculous saving power on display and basically just leave it at that. However, I believe that you'd be missing the bigger picture of this great story of redemption. The point is, is that the Old Testament prepares the way for the New Testament where all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. The exodus from Egypt, though it is real and a historic event, it prefigures the saving work of of Christ for his people. What God did through Moses was to provide a physical salvation through, from physical slavery. What he does through Christ is provide a spiritual salvation 
from spiritual slavery. So the parting of the Red Sea is not only finalizes God's redemption of his people out of slavery of Egypt, but it also prefigures the greater spiritual reality of God's people being redeemed from slavery to sin through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's this redemptive connection between the parting of the Red Sea and the cross of Jesus is this is this spiritual connection is why the book of Revelation tells us that there's going to be two songs we're going to sing in heaven. One is the song of Moses in Exodus chapter 15. And the other is the song of the Lamb. So we see that this there's a great connection between what is happening here in the parting of the Red Sea and what has happened through the work of Christ. On a practical level, every believer at one point or another has a Red Sea moment. A situation where there seems to be no escape and only in an undeniable act of God can safely lead us onward. So the question is, what is your Red Sea moment? A client that you were counting on who just abruptly switched to another business and you lost all that money? You don't know how you're going to make it? Is it a bad diagnosis? Was it a low test score that you made that hinders you from getting into the college that you really were hoping to get into? Is it this cloud of depression or discouragement, a betrayal in your life? All of this come to Red Sea moments. Of all of the miracles of the Bible, the exodus of Egypt and this Red Sea experience is one of the most defining redemptive moments in God's word. It is interesting that scripture continually refers to God as the God who led you out of Egypt. And remember, that was the last chapter that leading us out of Egypt was this Red Sea moment. So it seems to me that the scriptures are always calling us back to remember who God is. To remember what he's done for us. And for us to remember what he is capable of doing in the future. Amen. Our God wants to lead us out of Egypt. He brings us to the banks of the Red Sea. So that he can work wonders in our lives. Now, one of the most overlooked aspects of this Red Sea moment is this. It was God who led them there. You know, there was a quicker route to the promised land. You know, going the way they did led them to a dead end. No way to escape as they came to the banks of the Red Sea. They were trapped. But God led them there. And the, the Lord told Moses the reason why he led them there was so that he would be honored and glorified. 
See, the Lord was not only going to deliver his people from bondage, but he was going to defeat their enemy. And he was going to display his mighty works so that the people of God could rejoice in his deliverance. So you see, in our lives, God not only wants to deliver you out of bondage through Christ, but he wants to defeat your enemies. And he also wants to display his mighty works. And he does this. He leads you to the banks of the Red Sea so that you would rejoice in his deliverance. Your Red Sea moment, as scary as it might seem right now, well, it actually could be a defining moment in your life where God is exalted as he brings you through a difficult situation and you don't even get mud on your shoes. You don't even get mud on your shoes. So, as the scriptures teach us, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, This is the song to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And the song continues for several more verses. But then, this is what the scripture reads. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. Miriam. Now, of course, the text here says she is the sister of Aaron. But as we know, she is the older sister of not only Aaron, but also of Moses. Now, I believe that the crossing of the Red Sea and the defeat of Pharaoh's army and Moses' song of deliverance was so glorious that Miriam could not stop rejoicing in God's deliverance. Now it's true, God had chosen Moses to be the leader of God's people, but he had also called Miriam to be a prophetess. So she was going to take this opportunity and proclaim the word of God over and over and over again. So she took a tambourine in her hand And all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. You see, by taking this tambourine in her hand, Miriam led the congregation in a celebration of singing and dancing that would be modeled throughout the centuries to come. Now, it does say that all the women followed after her. But then in the next verse, it says that she sang to them. And this actually is word 
them is masculine. So she's not just leading the women, she's leading the whole congregation to rejoice in God's deliverance. Basically, what I see here is that Miriam was not satisfied with singing just one chorus of Moses' song of deliverance. So she led the people of God in rejoicing in God's deliverance again and again and again and again. And she becomes an example of women rejoicing in God's deliverance. I appreciated so much what the, the, uh, the girls read this morning. Oftentimes the Mother's Day services are celebrating our, our physical mothers when we, we should do that. It is a high and holy day. Amen. <laughs> I've always made fun. It's, it's really something. You don't want to tread on Mother's Day. But I appreciate what they had to say in a sense of spiritual mothers. You know, you're blessed if your mother was also your spiritual mother. But we realize that this idea of being spiritual mothers is something that's for all of God's ladies. And that's what I want to emphasize this morning. Women rejoicing in God's deliverance. Now, when you read the scriptures, it, it is clear that the men get most depressed. Are you really surprised by that? But we need to realize that God has used women throughout the ages to proclaim his word. Godly women like Hannah, who was the mother of the great prophet Samuel. The prophetess like Deborah and Hudah and Anna. Women who rejoiced in God's deliverance. Women throughout the centuries that emulated the virtuous woman that's talked about in Proverbs chapter 31. In, in conclusion says... Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, what is seen in the Old Testament with just a few references that I just have given to you? Well, these are just shadows of what is seen or clearly revealed in the New Testament about women who rejoice in God's deliverance. The Bible records a multitude of women who surrounded and supported Jesus' ministry during his earthly ministry. And let's not forget that women were the last disciples at the cross and women were the first disciples at the empty tomb. You see, women were an integral part of the work of the church in the early centuries of the church. We, one of the best kept secrets of Christianity is the enormous role that women play in the early church. You do realize there is a group of women who were part of that 120 
that had gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem that were filled with the Holy Spirit and rushed out into the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming the gospel on the day of Pentecost. As you read the book of Acts, you realize that Priscilla and her husband Aquila, well, they were partners with the apostle Paul in planting churches in, city, in the cities of Corinth and Ephesus. Actually, the Apostle Paul mentions many women at the end of his epistles who assisted him in the ministry of the church throughout the Roman Empire. And Paul goes on to offer characteristics of godly women, saying that they have a reputation for good works, they show hospitality, they wash the feet of the saints, they care for the afflicted, and devote themselves to every good work. You see, women rejoicing in God's deliverance, it didn't stop in the first century. God used, has used women throughout church history to proclaim his word. And because of time, I'm going, only going to mention to you two of these women, both of them more contemporary to us, so I don't have to go into a lot of explanation as far as the context of their situation. The first woman I like for us to consider that God used to, to rejoice in his deliverance is Catherine Booth. Catherine Booth grew up in England. She was a devout Christian. And she has written that by the time she was 12 years old, she had read the Bible eight times. <laughs> That's pretty good. She always had a social conscience. There's many stories about her and um, when she was a young girl. In 1855, she was married to William Booth, who was a Methodist minister. And William and Catherine, well, they had strong views concerning the role of the church. They believed that the church should be loosening the chains of injustice, freeing the captive and oppressed, sharing food at home, clothing the naked, and carrying out family responsibilities. In 1864, the couple began in London's East End, the Christian Mission, which later developed into what we know today as the Salvation Army. How long has it been? Well, Catherine, at the, at the beginning of their ministry there in London, she organized what became known as, quote, food for the million shops. And this was where the poor could buy hot soup and a three-course dinner for about 10 cents. She fought for women's rights and for equal wages for women. And this was in the late 1800s. She trained women known as the Hallelujah Lassies, 
which became street evangelists who led thousands to Christ. In 1882, there was a survey uh, in London that discovered that in one weeknight, there were almost 17,000 people worshiping at the Salvation Army compared to only 11,000 in ordinary churches. What an impact this woman has had. Because Catherine Booth was a woman who rejoiced in God's deliverance. Now let's consider Elizabeth Elliot. Jim and Elizabeth met as undergraduates in Wheaton College, a Christian college in Illinois. And they loved each other and got married in 1953. They both desired to do missionary works amongst the unreached tribe in the Amazon Ecuador area, a, a group of Indians that had never had contact with the outside world. In 1955, after discovering where this tribe was located, Jim, her husband, along with four other missionaries, flew into that area to be able to reach out to this unreached people group. After they experienced contact with three of the members of the tribe in a friendly way, uh, the men were attacked and were speared to death by the tribe. Now, after the death of her husband, now alone with her 10-month-old daughter, Elizabeth, she continued her missionary work. During that time, she met two women who were of the tribe that killed her husband, invited them to live with her in her home, and asked them to teach her the tribal language. After learning the language, she then went to serve the tribe that had killed her husband. And for years, lived with them, ministering to them, seeing them coming to Christ. What an unbelievable ministry of love. When Elizabeth returned to the United States in 1963, she began a career as a writer, a speaker, radio host, for, for over 40 years. Elizabeth Elliot was one of the most influential Christian women of the 20th century. Her timeless teachings and courageous faith has influenced believers and seekers of Jesus Christ throughout the world, and even today through her writings and her videos and such, it continues to be an encouragement to the people of God. I just want to just take a moment. I just want you to hear it in her own words. Say, when I 
Christ's people are described will be risen, and through groups they shall not overflow you. I pray to the side of the Lord, let not the waters overflow. And he heard me and answered me. And I will not say to you, I know exactly what you're going through, but I can say that I know the one who knows. And I've come to see that it's through the deepest suffering that God has taught the deepest lessons. And if we're trusting for it, we can come to the unshakable assurance that He's in charge, in His loving purpose, and He can transform something terrible into something wonderful. Suffering is never for nothing. Through the prophet Isaiah, Elizabeth, well, she brings us back to Miriam. Hear the scripture that she just read from the book of Isaiah. And now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you and I have called you by name. You are mine. And then notice, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, you shall, they shall not overwhelm you. See how this verse basically ties in the whole narrative of the Red Sea? And why Miriam had to keep the people of God rejoicing where one chorus wasn't enough. She wanted to set an example to God's women throughout the ages that even when you pass through the waters, the Lord is with you. Even when you pass through the river, the waters will not overwhelm you. Amen? This has been God's promise to his people throughout the ages. When you pass through the waters, he will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. The writer of Hebrews concludes the great chapter that's often referred to as the Hall of Faith with these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. And as we celebrate this Mother's Day 2019, my challenge to you is to consider the great cloud of witnesses that God has given to us, like Miriam and Hannah and Deborah and Anna, the women at Jesus' resurrection and at the upper room, and all those women that are written, their names are written down at the end of the Pauline epistles, and women like Catherine and Elizabeth. And I want you to consider those women who have been a witness of God's deliverance in your life. And if the opportunity is there, you probably should reach out to them. If not today, maybe this week. And also I ask you to consider who are the women that God has placed in your life right now that you can have that type of impact upon. 
that you can really influence them to become a woman who rejoices in God's deliverance. Brothers and sisters, as we confront the Red Sea moments of our lives, let us lay aside every weight and sin that, so cl- that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. Amen. Let's rejoice in God's great deliverance through Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the great testimonies of your grace. And we thank you for the way that you use us to really call people to rejoice in your deliverance. Lord, we pray that on this Mother's Day that you would bless all the women in our church and that you would, Lord, use them to be women who rejoice in God's deliverance. Lord, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.